it's my privilege to talk about loyalty. Loyalty. So, um, loyalty ranks right up at the very top of list according to people that is the most forgotten virtue in society. Um, if I would ask you today, wherever you are, how would you uh, say, uh, are you a loyal person? I can ask here the people who are in the building. Are, you, are we having loyal people here in the building? Do I see the hands? Yes, so we would say, you know, you know, basically we are loyal, loyal people. Would you agree that in society these days that disloyalty is quite a significant problem? Who would say yes to that? Oh, I would say yes to that. So what does loyalty really mean? So loyalty means firm and not changing your friendship or support for a person, or an organization, or in your beliefs and in your principles. So you are very loyal what you believe, uh, where you, uh, with your family, with your marriage, you know, you are loyal to what you commit yourself to. It's also a person who stands by their friends, you know, when they're going through a rough time, be, then loyalty starts to show. So if you are a faithful and devoted to someone or to something, and obviously you can all think of someone or something that you are loyal to. But for example, I don't know um, any people who buy milk or something like that. Um, do you always go for the same brand? Do you always go for the anchor milk, you know, the anchor? Uh, any anchor people in here? No, not here. So we're going more for the cheap version. But if you are uh, those ones who go for the anchor milk, um, then you are a loyal customer. But obviously you are really satisfied with the product. You're really happy with the product. And we seem to go back to, to that product, what is, what is good, what satisfies us, and, and we become loyal customers. If you look at my wallet, and um, then you will see, apart from my, my bank card, there are a few other cards in there. And they are mostly loyalty cards. And you might have a few in yours. I've got one from Countdown. Uh, Yalta's got one from New World. I've got one from Benin, I think. I've got one for um, Baker's Delight. Um, and when you use it often whenever you do go shopping. Uh, you, uh, the countdown, you swipe. Uh, the Baker's Delight, they put a stamp on your little wee loyalty cards. Uh, or otherwise, I'll go for coffee somewhere and I get an extra stamp on that. And if I've got so many stamps, I get a free coffee or I get a free loaf of bread. I'm sure you all have experienced that. So loyalty works. Loyalty adds. Loyalty has a reward. In Proverbs 19, verse 22, it says, Loyalty makes a person attractive. Never, never found out that, that that was in the Bible. But anyway, you live and learn. So this loyalty is very difficult 
to see in the mirror. You know, it's, it's really difficult, you know, when we look at ourselves. You know, you would like to say that, you know, I'm a very loyal person. But, um, but you know, if you're not nice to me or you, you have done something to me, then I might um, step away from my loyalty towards you. Um, because you have pushed me, or, you know, I didn't like what you were saying. Or, so then our loyalty might start to shift a bit. And if you're not loyal to me, well, then this loyalty can become a problem. So I could tell, I could say that I'm a very loyal person. Um, and in, but in reality, I'm very loyal to myself. Most of us are. So this loyalty can be quite an issue because it's sometimes difficult to see in the mirror or it is difficult to see in ourselves. You know, the best biblical example is Peter. You know Peter? He was one of the disciples. And he just claimed loyalty uh, to Jesus, um, you know, if all comes to come, I'm there. I'm your man. I'm supporting you. I'm with you. Jesus, no, I'm, I'm always, I'm in. Over and over again, Peter made himself known that he was loyal to Jesus. I got you back. I'm your man. And um, I will never leave you. When we read in Matthew 26, verse 33 and 35, it says, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answers, this is the very night before the rooster crows. You will disown me three times. But <clears throat> Peter said, even though I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. They all took a lead. Of Peter. Peter said, you know, if everyone falls away, I'll be still standing. I'll be still standing with you. And that he will never, never leave Jesus. Promise. I promise. And if you know the rest of the story, and before the evening was over, that evening was over, not one, not two, but three different people came up and said, hey, were you not with Jesus, you mean, you're that guy? And Peter's like, Jesus? Who? What are you talking about? I don't know this guy. I'm not, I'm not with that guy. No, you got it wrong. And so three different people asked Peter if he was associated with Jesus, because obviously thought they have seen him with Jesus. And three times he said no. He disowned Jesus three times. And when the third times happened, you know what happened? The rooster crowd. And in that moment, I don't know what went through Peter's heart and David's mind. 
But I'm sure that I, would, I was the one I would said I would be so loyal. I was the one who said I would always stick with you. I was the one I would never leave you or forsake you. I would not forsake Jesus, who is the most loyal person, God. I wouldn't do it. And he did. And he went outside, that's what the story tells us, and he wept bitterly. You know, I sometimes think Peter gets a bit of a bad rap because we, don't, we always think that, you know, Peter is the only one who's doing that. But we all, we all overstep the mark sometimes. And we all maybe can identify with Peter. So then we need to understand this, that true loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. Now, if I ask you, are you basically a, a loyal person? And most of us would say, oh, yes, yes, I am, yeah. Absolutely. But would you also agree that there is a significant problem in society today? But we would say, well, that is, no, but that's not me, that's just them. We as, as followers of Jesus, you know, we sometimes can talk it up. Talk it up big time. But talking up is not following Jesus. Talking it up is actually walk it out. So we can't be all talk and not walk our talk. That brings me to the story of, uh, of in the book of Ruth. Uh, that is one of one of a sad story because it started at, they, as a family, Naomi and her husband, they were um, in Bethlehem. There was a famine, and you can only imagine what that, I can't even imagine what that is like. We only see the pictures on TV, but we can't really, I have never been in a famine. But they were in a famine, and as a family, they decided they would go to Moab because there was food. They obviously had two boys, and, uh, and so they... Uh, mostly walked that way. So they were refugees in their own, in their, in their way, in that time. And so they end up in a strange land, and obviously there was food, but, um, but then Naomi's husband died. And obviously she had still two sons, and they got married with, with uh, wives from there. And lo and behold, the two sons died. You can only imagine how, what a grief, what a trauma, uh, not having um, your husband and your sons. And so we come as this story that um, she encouraged those because she's thinking, you know, what have I got left here? Obviously, she might have still had family in Bethlehem. And she, uh, she said she just wanted to go home. You know, when we ask priests and when we are going to a difficult time, to turmoil, you know, sometimes the safest place is go home. It's just go home. I've been working with, with people who were mentally unwell and all kind of in hospital and as a chaplain, and, and, and I just say, you know, have a conversation, and they say, they just want to go home. Home is where the heart is. And so she wanted to go home. 
And she encouraged the girls, uh, you know, you, you just stay here and I'll, I'll just go. Although her life would not be glorious at all because she was a widow, which would mean she had no, no one to look after her. She had no children. And so she would be uh, poverty stricken. Uh, she had to defend for herself. There was no um, department of social welfare or anything like that. In those days, she was, had to depend on other people. And so then we come in the story of Ruth. And, and so she says, return home, my daughters. She wanted really her daughters. She wanted them to have a future in the land where they were born. Go to your home. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? And who would become, uh, who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. He pleads for them. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if I die, there was, there's still hope for me. And so she, she lets those two beautiful daughters of her, she lets them off the hook and she sets them free. She releases them so that they can have a future uh, more when, when they go back to Bethlehem. And at this, they, they wept aloud again. And Ophra kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Imagine, they've been through so much together. They have experienced so much loss and grief together. So they have a real strong bond. But watch what Ruth is doing. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law has already gone back. You know, please, go back to her. Go back to your family. And here is the ultimate loyalty uh, story in the Bible. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave or for me to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people and your God, my God. Not only she did proclaim loyalty, but she proved it. She acted on it by following Naomi back to her country and leaving all her own people, leaving all her own support. And she knew that the future, if she was going with Naomi, would not be bright because they had to fend for themselves and find food. But no matter what, she stayed with Naomi, even if it costed her life. I'm not loyal to a point. I'm not loyal with any conditions. She just left and went with Naomi. You know, and if, we, if you know the story, but the story doesn't finish there. I'm not saying it was not hard for them to come back to Bethlehem. I'm sure it was. But God honors Ruth in such a way that he um, prepared a husband for her, Boaz. And because of that, Naomi had life as well. And it only, it's not only that, but Naomi comes the great-grandmother of David. And you know, David was in the heritage of Jesus. So her loyalty was great rewarded. God honors loyalty. Loyalty adds to you, always.
So what does disloyalty look like in relationship? We'll say in marriage. Since most of it, the most loyal people you see is in marriage. If I look at Jean and your marriage and others here and maybe others at home, you've been married for that is the the true example of loyalty to sick and son, to sickness and in health, till death to his part. But we also see disloyalty so much also in marriage. When we stop protecting and when we stop uh, what we love, protect what we love, protect what we value, uh, we start to water down our commitments. And it says in Malachi 2 verse 15, this is regarding marriage. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? So guard your heart and remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Well, I'm certainly a Yalta's wife from his youth. I think I was Yalta's. <laughs> Yalta and me have known each other since kindergarten. And so we went to kindergarten together, to primary school together, and all of that. So um, I am the wife of your youth, Yalta. So guard your heart, and, and you know, but marriage today has not, at times, for some people, not the same value. They not protect it with their life and with their livelihood and, and start to water it down their commitment. And they say, oh, why stay loyal? Well, the Bible says, for God hates divorce. He does. To divorce your wife or your husband, is to overwhelm her with cruelty. And I've seen many broken marriages in my lifetime as a pastor. And it never, it never seems to end well when a, a marriage breaks up. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife, and I would say also to your husband. But who cares? You know, society is so different at times. Do you know, according to studies, that about 40-60% um, of marriages, they will commit adultery. And you can take it all away and then they get divorced. You know, some people say, no, I'm not happy with my husband. I heard so many stories. You know, he's not what I thought he would be. You know, he, he has changed and, and oh, blah, blah, blah. And then we become selfish. But we also need to understand that this loyalty to his spouse is, is also more in subtle ways. The most public ways is when a marriage breaks up or when there has been an affair. But an affair doesn't happen overnight. And a couple who get divorced, they don't get divorced overnight. There has been a journey of subtle disloyalty to each other by dishonoring them, talking behind their back in a way that is not really glorifying, 
this loyalty can grow. Sometimes this loyalty starts with a seat in marriage, and if we don't harness it, if we don't protect our marriage, then this loyalty starts to grow, and then the marriage will fall apart. There is so many ways to be disloyal. And ultimate though, one of the best ways is just to put anything ahead of your marriage or your family. It could be your work, it could be your hobby, it could be your friends, it could be your sport, it could be a pursuit of material things, anything, anything that brings a wedge between you and your husband or wife. Or I start to wonder on internet. There are many ways, subtle ways, when we become disloyal. And with friendships. You know, in Proverbs 17, verse 17, it says, A friend is always loyal. And a brother is born to help in a time of need. You know, for us in this church context, we go to connect group or life group or Bible study, and, and we, we hear things in our groups about each other, and we pray for each other, and, and you know, and then we can come home and say to the people who are home, and say, did you know? Did you know? And then we start to gossip, and what has been shared in confidence, that becomes public knowledge to other people, and that's where disloyalty starts to creep in. One of the greatest, greatest things in life group, connect groups, any, any group, is confidentiality. When people feel safe and feel protected, they can share their heart, uh, they need prayer, but it needs to stay within the boundaries of that group. Otherwise, gossip becomes so destructive. And it takes away it takes away who you are and it takes away from other people. So what about Jesus and church? Can we be disloyal to Jesus or disloyal to church? So the New Testament Christians, they were full on, weren't they? They were full on. Well, I think they were full on. And sometimes I just just have a glimpse of it, and I think, it sounds just ideal, you know, so beautiful, and I'm going to read you. In Acts 2, verse 42, verse 44, and all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to develop fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to pray. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, and they sold property and possession to give to anyone who had a need. And every day, they were continued to meet together in the temple courts. It's just a beautiful, beautiful picture. Wouldn't you agree? Well, the average Christian at, at this time uh, might go to church, the average. I'm not talking to people who are sitting here today or when you are at home. Might go to church maybe once a month. There is a huge shift has taken place because the consumer mind has come into our church culture. 
And so now we come to church that the church needs to meet my needs. And we have a, a, a truly consumer's attitude when we uh, go and say, well, um, yeah, they've got a full good youth group there. I think, uh, you know, uh, we'll send our young people there because it's really good. And I'm not saying it's not good, okay? And then you think, oh, no, that church is really known for worship, you know? Um, and I know our church is because of Pastor Poro, because of, of how she leads worship. And they said, oh, no, we really want to go to that church because, you know, the worship is so good. And then I said, no, no, I'd rather go to that church. I might go to that church for, for something else because the teaching is just phenomenal there. And so here we go. We can hop from one church to this church and to that group of people and that group of people. All in different places and we consume what we want. We consume because, you know, I need to look after myself. You know, I, I, my needs need to be met. But if we don't get involved, we see that lots of people don't get involved. They don't use their gifts. They don't serve. Because, you know, the church exists for me. It's all about me. You know, and if then something really happens and um, I don't like the pastor. I did what he said on that Sunday, on, on, on Sunday in preaching or in a conversation. I, 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 no, I don't like my pastor. And that is sometimes a, a perfect excuse to never to come back and to leave. Or because you're just so mad about something in church and, um, and you don't want to stay. You can't. You definitely can't stay. And so then you, you're mad and you leave. Or, I wouldn't like to say that, but I am going to say it. They put a trump card out. You know a trump card? It's just the card, you can't argue with it. And the, the biggest trump card in churches, God told me so. And so when people are mad and want to leave and disagree and all of that, and they say, no, God told me so. You know, in my lifetime as a pastor, I've seen so many people come and also go by using that trump card. And it's because you have no comeback. I can't, I can't argue with God about if they say that God told them. I can't argue with that. And so I have to leave them and, and bless them and give them peace. And so they join another church. And then three churches, Three churches later, I said, God help us. Where is our loyalty at times? You know, we can have disagreements. I don't, I don't even agree with Yelta all the time. In marriage, we don't agree on certain things. But we choose to disagree. And which is in church too. 
You know, some people are not in favor of women's ministry or women's speaking. It's okay. We can disagree on that. But what we do agree, that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died for me on the cross. If I give my life to Jesus, I will have eternal life. These are the things that really count. When we start to disagree on that, that is a different story. But we are allowed to disagree. Now, all this being said, sorry, I didn't want to be too harsh, but sometimes, you know, just needs to be said. This loyalty is difficult when we see it in a mirror because we all acknowledge that this loyalty is a problem in the culture today, but most of us think it's, you know, it's, that's not me. You know, that's not me. It isn't society, but it's not me. Because the most problem is that we are loyal to ourselves. And I have to admit, I'm too. Sometimes there are moments that I'm more committed to myself than to all others that I need to be loyal to. So that brings me on that all this loyalty comes out of divided heart. Not God's heart, okay? It's our divided heart. You know, God's perspective, he created us. He created us in his image. He has known of us before the foundation of the world. So we've been in God's side for a long time. God loves us. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And it also says, while we were still sinners, he demonstrated his love for us by dying on the cross. If one is faithful all the time, he is. Jesus, Father God, and the Holy Spirit, they are totally, totally loyal, faithful to you, to me, to us, always. There is not a, a day that he's not faithful to you. Sometimes we don't see it, but he is. So even if we are faithless or we are, you know, we are not in a good space or we're going through stuff, what is the biggest question that God asks from us? And it was asked in the Bible, you know, somebody said, you know, what is the biggest thing? You know, because Jesus taught, taught about everything and nothing. But, you know, uh, obviously I can understand people would say, but what is the most important thing of all your teaching, of everything that you've showed us, the healings and, and everything? What will be the most important thing? What is the big one? And this is what Jesus says. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul, and all your strength, he wants all of it. Love the Lord back. He loves us, and he wants us to love him back with everything that we've got. Everything in our heart, everything in our mind, everything that we do, that is the biggest thing. That is the big ask that has, God has for us. 
But, you know, I can't speak for you, but I'm not always 100% every day, 24-7. All of that. I want to. But sometimes it just doesn't happen. At times I have a divided heart. So where does that go when we, we find we've got a divided heart? It says in James 4, verse 8, verse 9, come close to God. And God will come close to you. So as soon as we step one, God, help me. He's already there. He already made a step towards you or to us. He said, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is the divided between God and the world. Yeah, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. But the world's got an enormous influence on us because every day we are in it. So let there be tears for what you have done. Let it be sorrow and deep grief. Let it be sadness instead of laughter and gloom, instead of joy. You know, sometimes we need to come to that place to acknowledge, Lord, I've done it again. That is my favorite line to God. Lord, I've done it again for whatever it is. I shouldn't have said that. I should have come to you first because you are the most loyal one. You are the one who's always there. Instead of looking at Google or whatever and didn't put you first. So when we recognize, you can recognize but not acknowledge. You know, you can recognize, oh yeah, but you don't acknowledge that that's how you were or how you did. Acknowledge your disloyalty in your heart. You know, I believe it's an everyday thing to be loyal to, uh, to Jesus, to be loyal to uh, to your family, to your marriage, to your friends. I mean, that's an everyday thing. A loyal to your work. I mean, uh, officially, you should have had a recorded version of me today. But because I had already a, a huge commitment yesterday, and so I, and I was loyal to that commitment. And so that's why and Pastor Anne said, okay, then you can go live for those who are there on Sunday. So that's why you got my life. Because my loyalty got tested straight away when I knew I had to preach about loyalty. Tested straight away. And I struggled with it. And I said, I'll think about it. I said to Pastor Ed, give me an hour. And then Yalta came home and, and now I need to be loyal to my first commitment. And I said, and, and it was fine. So that's why you got me live today, here in the building, not online. So God has been and is faithful to us. He's faithful to you. And, and yet our loyalty is sometimes divided for whatever reason. And we want a little bit of him, and we want a, a, a lot of the world, because the world is very attractive. And we are in the world, 
uh, I, want, I want God, but I also want stuff, you know. I want this, and I want that, and I want that. I want a little bit of God. I want, I want, I want. And that's when our divided heart comes in. You know, God is the provider of all our needs, not all our wants. So where, where do we go from here today? I'm saying, what is God saying to you about your life, about where does your loyalty lies with, with himself, with God, with your family, with your friends, and all of that? You know, let God search your heart. I would pray today. Let God search your heart, and he will make it show. I don't need to tell you. God is more than able for us to do. And it might be different for all of us. For some of us, it might be in our marriages. We just have overstepped the line of the mark, and all of a sudden you become aware of it. And we can come to God and say, God, I overstepped the line. I overstepped that boundary. Forgive me. Lord, forgive me. And help me to do better next time. You know, it's, it's, it's not by our own power we do this life in Christ. We don't. Because we wouldn't be able to do the life in Christ in our own power. And that's when the scripture says, you know, it's not by might or by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us. He is a guide. He is a strength. He shows us. He empowers us. Uh, when we want to be in a disloyal way, he helps us. He gives us strength to do the right thing. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, to stay faithful to yourself, to God, to your family, to your marriage, to your friends, to church. We are the church. You and me, we are the church. It's not in a building or anything like that. We are the church. And I pray, you know, um, a new day every morning. It is a new day every morning. His mercies are new every morning. And the verse says, great is his faithfulness. So true loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. Let us pray.